You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon, where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM Pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. Welcome to 3 a.m. 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. What's the scariest thing you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3 a.m. is the result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience. The validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. What's up, guys? Welcome to the 3AM Podcast. My name is Charlie. My name is Sean. My name is DJ. Just a group of friends. We tell scary stories and try to be funny. Uh, good evening, kings and queens. <laughs> uh, the past few weeks have been a little rough for the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All people globally. Um, so we're not making ourselves special, but would be lying if we didn't say that we were also part of it. <laughs> uh, both personal and external uh, events going on. So thank you so much for sticking with us and your patience. We say that a lot <laughs> because it feels like we screw up a lot. <laughs> we're not perfect. But Guys, we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> How was your guys' week? It was pretty good. I uh, think I hung out with you guys all weekend. I know. Working on the podcast. And between that and going over to the RNAs every night and playing games or something. <laughs> the RNAs are family friends. I grew up with them. And it's also... Read from episode five. Is it five? No, no why did I say Texas, five? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Thailand. I don't know what episode that is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So first of all, I just want to say best food I've ever had in my entire life. Reed's mom is from Thailand. She cooks Thai food and it's like life changing. I said this at, I said this at their house, but I was like, I feel like I have life <laughs> pre Vicky's cooking and life after Vicky's cooking. <laughs> and at one point, 
all three of us are there and they listen to the podcast. So they were like, she was like, let's do scary stories. Let's do scary <laughs> stories. And usually, you know, like people aren't down with that. And she sets it all up and we all went outside around a fire and we shared scary stories. Dude, that was fun, bro. Shared some classics. We yeah. shared some of our favorites or best ones they haven't heard. One of them, uh, the goat man. The Anasi goat man. If you want to look it up and read it, we've talked about it before. And then Reed's dad shared a story. Dude, that was scary. Probably one of the scariest stories I've ever heard, or at least like if it happened to me, one of the most terrifying things. And we can't share it. (laughs) He said no. Sorry. Yeah. So you guys (laughs) will never hear it. (laughs) But we just wanted to let you know what you're missing out on. (laughs) Anything else about the weekend or the RNAs? No, we had a good time. Yeah, no, it was full of podcasts, friends, family. Just about a little bit of everything. Yeah. It's been a good week. Yeah, it's also been a great week for the podcast all weekend. Charlie's wife was out of town. My girlfriend was out of town. Sean is single. <laughs> Sean's and, girlfriend uh, was non-existent. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we got together and planned a bunch of stuff for the podcast. We finalized... Is this okay? We did a lot of like the back end house stuff that we've just been like doing a podcast is way more work than you realize. <laughs> if you want to <laughs> do least it the right way, I realized it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't know. We did all the things that we've just been like avoiding doing. And DJ was about to say something exciting. Yeah, we finalized designs for T-shirts. We started getting the message out there, like gauging how much we should print. We did a pre-order. Yeah, we did a pre-order, pricing, everything. And earlier today, we met with the manufacturer who's going to be making our T-shirts too. So Yeah, we, we decided to go like most. This is boring. We might take this out. <laughs> most people take or choose like a print-as-you-go company. So it's just this big faceless corporation that handles all your orders. Yeah, fam- like- family reunion T-shirts, uh, fun run T-shirts, <laughs> like <laughs> corporate events, stuff like that. Which is great, but. We decided to shop around a bit and went with a local company who we really like their aesthetic and their attention to detail. So it's exciting. Like we are taking care of all the steps from manufacturing to delivering ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're excited. That's that. That's all you get. Do you guys ever feel guilty when you wake up on the weekend and don't do stuff? Like when you're lazy? Yes. Yes, when I've been lazy all week, <laughs> but it's like sometimes you earn your laziness. Like you're like, I need this. Well, this weekend was one of like the first times where I actively was like, I'm not going to, I'm just going to do like we chilled all weekend. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't allow myself to feel guilty for it. And it was the best. I enjoyed it. Cool. <laughs> but yeah, we got a lot of stuff done. It was fun. Yeah. Ball is definitely rolling for, for that. So a lot of people have been asking. So there you have it. DJ, what were you going to tell us? <laughs> uh, I have a, I have a, I have a story. <laughs> okay. oh. That's what we do here. Uh, I'm going to save it though. What? Yeah. All right. So we were all at Reed. He's been on episode Thailand, who actually is in the studio tonight with his wife Emily. So, and Mallory. Shout out! Shout out! Shout out! His two wives, Emily and Mallory. No. <laughs> it is Utah. Um, we were at Reed's house, and 
Mallory, DJ's girlfriend, started to tell us something, and DJ <laughs> like flew at her, <laughs> tried to put his hand over her mouth from to stop her from speaking. And he's like, I'm saving it for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Don't act like you are not like that. I've uh, never done that. Yeah, we all get very protective of our stories nowadays if we're not recording. This is why I don't talk to you guys anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I thought we were going to talk about that in the beginning. Okay, I guess we can talk about it. Uh, all right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so my girlfriend was going home the other night. She pulls up to her driveway, parks. And what did you have? Groceries or just stuff from work? Yeah, some bags in the car and whatnot. She had to take a, she take multiple trips. Her parking space is literally right in front of her front door. It's like a townhouse. And she gets out of her car, takes the first load of things in, comes back out, and reaches into the back seat of her car. And it's dark. If you remember, she likes to walk into her house when it's pitch black. Um, yeah, psycho. <laughs> she reaches into the back seat of her car, and all she feels is a a lick on her hand. Oh. And she pulls her hand back, not knowing what's back there. So Mallory screams loud enough to scare whatever's in the back seat and out jumps a cat. <laughs> So, I don't know. I guess with us and the stories we tell, I didn't think it could have been an animal. Like, how could an animal go in the car? <laughs> like, I thought it was a human. It's got to be a demon, yeah. an <laughs> asylum patient. Yeah. Yeah, something other Surely than a cat. licking her hand. But she told me that, and I got chills. And then she said it was a cat. But she's still terrified of that cat. That cat keeps coming back. And she, the other night, I think two nights ago, she got home. She was like, I don't want to go in my house because... <laughs> The cat is like waiting outside my door. Bro, so. that's McGonagall or something, bro. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's scary. Mal. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I would freak out. Uh, if I did that, I would definitely swing on something. I would too. If anything <laughs> licks my hand I would in knock the dark, a cat out is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> bro, and cars are not sacred anymore either. The other day, I freaking had my Bose speaker stolen out of my car. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. It was outside my house Weird. too. Oh, for so real? So annoying. Was your door open? It was unlocked because someone had gone out and gotten something out of my car and not locked it. Hmm. But anyways. That sucks. <laughs> There's this one that time. That does suck. <laughs> Is your door open? That's like the equivalent of, well, what was she wearing? So I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Did you just victim blame my bro? <laughs> wow, dude. <laughs> uh, moving on. Charger, though, so <laughs> from that right heat. <laughs> Maybe you should lock your door. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Okay. Uh, one time, MJ and I spent like two years saving up coins, and we filled a bucket that was like this big. And I legit think it was $800 plus. Easy. It was like mostly quarters. It was that silver stuff, not that mm. dirty brown penny, you know what I mean? Yeah, we hate the browns. Say, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we had that thing rimmed, you know what I mean, to the top. Sure. I was so stoked. And like two days before we moved away to California, someone broke into our garage. Oh, at the river house. Just stuttered. Took a skateboard and my freaking coins, dude. I was so pissed. (laughs) 
It's just a violation. Anyway. Anything else, brothers? (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Did any of you think of a question that you want to ask? No? All good. It's okay if you don't. Somebody asked us what our astrology signs were. Oh, yeah, dude. What's your guys' opinions on that? And let's remember that it's okay to have different opinions and still be friends. (laughs) I think we all believe the same thing. 100% real, right? We don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um... But try to convince me. I'm open. Uh, what are you? I've never been into horoscopes or uh, what's those things called? Fortune cookies or Snapple caps or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, those dove chocolates. Yeah. Yeah. You know how in the last like what, 15 years, like you never get a fortune cookie that's an actual fortune anymore? Oh, yeah. They're yeah. all like proverbs or like telling you to do things. I haven't noticed that, but continue. No, never. It has become like way they're never more like prevalent. they don't wish anything. Like it. It's just like be kind. It's like I don't care about <laughs> kindness, dude. <laughs> Where my GD fortune at? <laughs> I heard it was because people were suing companies like Panda Express because oh, they're liable for what they're promising. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Dang it! I missed that. No, I'm just kidding. That's so, crazy. We missed our chance. <laughs> dude, maybe it was a class action. We can still hop on. I'm Aquarius, by the way. <laughs> I'm a Scorpio. I'm a Leo. And with that, let's roll. <laughs> roll. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. <sighs> I have benefited from therapy. In a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, We want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest. and it be a little lighter on the wallet, uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3am. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal. I got an 18. I got a 4. Two. All right, so it's going to go me, then Sean, then Charles. Episode 53, Baghdad, mm-hmm. was the first time that we ventured into Middle Eastern territory. And since then, I made it a goal for me to read up on a lot of it, which I have in the past couple of weeks and also in the last hour. <laughs> preparing for this this episode like i said before in that 
uh, in episode 53. It's just a region that we haven't super explored and talked about. And in that episode, we introduced the djinn. Do you want to go over again? What 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 is the djinn? What do you think of? What do you know the djinn to be? Well, we kind of talked about it a little bit last time. It's an evil spirit in uh, Middle Eastern folklore and ultimately the uh, origins of the genie as you know it. Exactly, yeah. No, djinn is short for genie. Uh, it's one of the mythical slash uh, mythical creatures that are can be evil that come from the Middle East. Another one that comes from the Middle East that I didn't know that I found in my readings is the G-U-L, ghoul, which is where G-H-O-U-L comes from. Thanks. So, yeah, those are like the two prominent like evil spirits or potentially evil spirits or entities, folklore, legends that come from that side of the world. So I found that fascinating. So we're going to talk about the jinn today. So... I have a bunch of facts because I I didn't know anything about the jinn. But the existence of the jinn starts in the Quran. So the Quran freely speaks about the jinn. Talks about its place in the world, how it came to be. And I have some excerpts from the Quran. Welcome to Bible study. Yeah. <laughs> Seminary. Uh, in one part of the Quran, Allah himself is speaking and says, And I, Allah, created not the jinns and humans except they should worship me. So jinns, as Allah says, they exist, that they should worship him. So the, it's laid out that they have like will to choose whatever they want to do. So there are jinn who are good and worship Allah in this context. There are jinn who decide not to worship Allah. You get like three wishes out of some of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, the realm that the jinn live in is separate from our world. They can cross between both. Mm. So there's another excerpt from the Quran that says, Verily he, shaitan, which Whoa. is Satan. <laughs> With a lisp. Well, it's spelled, <laughs> in the Quran it's spelled S-H, at least in this verse or whatever. At least in this verse it's spelled S-H-A-Y-T-A-N. Ooh. Well, it's like, my name is Shaitan. People in Utah spelling <laughs> yeah. Ashley and yeah. McKenna Lee or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, this verse says, um, and this is Allah again speaking. Get thee hand, Shaitan. Verily he, Shaitan, <laughs> and his soldiers from the gym or his tribe see you from where you cannot see them. So their, Ominous, bro. their plane of existence is... More or less, same, same, but different. <laughs> um, why'd you do that? Uh, Sean and DJ, I think both of you, right? I think it was just my companion. Oh, met a Filipino who would always proclaim that the spirit world or the other realm... This far above your head. Was this far. And what they're doing is <laughs> put your hand out in front of you if you're a listener. Do a shaka, bro. So you're just extending your thumb and your pinky and then place put that on top of your head. And that's where that's how far away the spirit world is. So my yeah. head was in the spirit world to this guy. Yeah, absolutely uh, <laughs> blasphemous. But uh, the spirit world as a doctrine is something that Mormons believe in, and that's what I thought of when I was reading in the Quran <laughs> about where jinns exist. Well, I, most people, I'd say most religions and faiths believe in some sort of spirit spirit world. world yeah, um, I don't think they had a name for where this place was, but they did say the jinn 
existed in this plane. So it's just mostly. like a parallel plane or universe to us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they can make themselves seen and known in our plane if they want to. What are you guys' feelings on that? That they can see us? Like, do you think that's possible? Do you think that exists? Spirits in another plane being able to make themselves known, heard, seen. Sure. Do you really? Be honest. Yeah. I don't know. I guess in a infinite universe, if you believe that, then you can't say no to anything. Hmm. So I guess so. Yeah. Like disprove it too. It's like, I think I personally lean towards yes, it's mm-hmm. possible, but I'm open to it not being or being. Like it would be hard for me to definitively say, yeah, I do. Or I feel like with all the stories that we've heard, there has to be something like that. I agree. We're all in agreement. Great. Good. We can um, still be friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, the essence of jinn. This verse says, the angels were created from light. The jinn were created from fire. And the jinn we created after time from the smokeless flame of fire. So they come from a smokeless fire. It doesn't expound much further after that, but that's what jinn are essentially made of. From there, they start talking about the types of jinn. This is all still in the Quran. So the jinn are of three types. A type that has wings and they fly through the air. Terrifying. A type that looks like snakes and dogs. And a type that stops for a rest, then resumes its journey. Which I have no so idea like what that means. So the other two never rest? I, I have no idea. I have no that's idea. Like, that's this, your defining I know. This school like, just yeah, rests so much. Take breaks. I have flight. <laughs> yeah. I have stealth. I have like, rest. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can sleep. Actually, that's not it's that bad. It's basically a Snorlax, yeah. bro. <laughs> uh, important note. Every individual among the sons of Adam has a jinn who has a, been appointed to be his constant companion. Bro, mine's hella that rest one. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> so... This part in the Quran, Muhammad is speaking, and he says, There is not one of you who does not have a jinn appointed to be his constant companion. And in this part, he's speaking to a group of people, teaching them, and they reply, And you too, O messenger of Allah? And he says, Me too, but Allah has helped me and he has submitted so that he only helps me to do good. So somehow, God, Allah and Muhammad convince Muhammad's jinn to be good and be his ally or something. But yeah, just to note that everybody has a jinn. Uh, jinn powers. There's a story in the Quran of King Solomon, who they spell as Sulaiman, S U L A Y M A N. I loved all those little differences between the Bible and the Quran. Um, but Shaitan. Yeah, Shaitan, Sulaiman. Um, there's a story of Solomon speaking to a jinn, and I'm not too sure why the rest of the context of this story, but one of the jinn guaranteed to Solomon that he would bring the throne of the queen of Yemen to Jerusalem faster than the time needed for Solomon to stand up from the chair that he was sitting in. So the verse says, I will bring it thee before thou canst rise from thy place, lo, I verily am strong and trusty for such work. So a lot of scholars of the Quran and um, Islam, when they speak about this verse, they talk about the powers of the jinn and how it's incredibly fast, incredibly strong. Do they talk about your relationship personally with the jinn? 
Like, can you affect it? Can you sway? Be like, you never had a friend like me. <laughs> Not <laughs> grounded. See your speech. Um, I'm get I, the hands shaped on. I don't. I don't have a ton on that. Uh, the last point I have is how to protect yourself. Ooh, okay. So, Let's hear it. Right before that, I want to talk about when Jin cross over that spiritual plane and come into the physical part of this world. It's said by scholars that jinn are mostly to be found in ruins, unclean places like bathrooms, dunghills, <laughs> garbage dumps, and graveyards. So the prophet, or Muhammad, taught us to take precautions when entering these dirty places. And you do so by mentioning Allah's name. When Muhammad used the bathroom, he would... Are we allowed to talk about this? I know they while out if you talk about Prophet Muhammad, bro. <laughs> I, sorry, I'm not. I'm not bagging on him. Like, there's a verse that talks about this. Okay, but every time he used the bathroom, he would he would say Allah's name or some type of prayer to like protect himself in that dirty space. Uh-huh. So there's a verse that says that he goes to use a bathroom and he says, "Oh Allah, I seek refuge with you from all offensive and wicked things." So that's one of the ways to protect yourself. Uh, going on with that, many people acquire jinn or jinn start harming humans uh, when they start sentences and actions without first saying bismala or bismillah or mashallah, which is addressing Allah, like I said. So every time people are speaking to each other, they start their sentences with Allah or they end with like Allah be with always having God in the context of their actions so that they're protecting themselves. So this is the background of the jinn. This is what I found. And uh, along with that, I found some stories. Did you have anything to add before we continue? Uh, A little bit. My favorite, nope. Mysterious Universe did a whole episode on jinn. And they brought some scholar who had been working for many, many years researching the jinn and theorizing that the jinn could be behind almost all paranormal activity. And because uh, I think a lot of the nature of the jinn is like a poltergeist or like a taunting, like a, a jester almost, like they mess with people on purpose. And so they can take the form of different things like Bigfoot, uh, ghost, any, any paranormal thing, they might be behind that. And there's a lot of old writings and things like that that they would point to to help their theory. It was just really interesting listening to it. Did they have any stories? They had yeah, they had a ton. Yeah. I but how may Mysterious Universe do their podcast is they let their episodes ride for a while and then they take them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't think it's still on Apple anymore. Hmm. So I'll go back and look, but you got to be a plus yeah. member. Yeah. Got to be a patron or something. <laughs> yeah. To hear that. Um I did find and I can't remember where but there was a specific, uh, from what I remember, there was like a specific jinn soon after the creation. And there's a verse I read in the beginning that Allah created all things that they might worship him. There was one jinn who refused to bow down when everyone else was bow- bowing down to Allah and he was cast out. So very similar. I was going to say a lot of theology with jinn is very similar to Christianity and further Mormon um, beliefs and ideology with like 
the cast out spirits. Like if you just replace the word spirits with gin, it like all kind of aligns. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of, there are a lot of scholars who think gin and devils are the same. There are a lot who think gin are their own entity. So the Muslim would say Allah. We mm-hmm. would say God. They mm-hmm. would say gin. We would say spirit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Fascinating background about something so foreign to me. But while researching all that, like I said, I found some stories. Oh, This story will be shared on our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Get wrecked, everyone. Sorry, sorry to blue ball all you non-patrons. Uh, but eight quarters. Come on, guys. Okay. <laughs> this specific story comes from the country of Oman. Oh, man. Oh, man. Welcome back. I got a story for you guys tonight. Well, good. And you know how I had you guys watch that episode of Love, Death, and Robots? Yes. I wanted you to get in kind of the vibe of where I'm going tonight. Okay. So this story is uh, from someone named Victor, Sergey, Crumb. Ivan, oh, <laughs> and Anna. <laughs> <laughs> the top four names on... Names.ru. <laughs> Bro, we going to Russia right now. This story was actually covered in a New York Times article in 1911. In a small town in Russia, there was a wedding. It was Ivan and Anna were getting married from different towns. They were in Ivan's town to have the wedding ceremony. And this was in the winter time of 1911. Had been a terrible winter. So tons of snow. Famine for the animals that were not hibernating. But they're all enjoying the ceremony. Afterwards, the entire wedding party of about 120 people pack up in these sleds to head now to the town of Anna for the reception ceremony and after party, right? Nice. Um, So they take off into the deep snow. So the the going is pretty slow but they are making pretty good time considering. Now, they make it more than halfway. They're now closer to her town than they are to the old town, and the horses seem to be a little spooked. They seem a little hesitant, and the drivers of the sleds are not necessarily concerned. They just want to get to the next town as quickly as they can. They continue going for half hour more or so, And then a hush comes over the wedding party as they look out into this field of white snow and they see a black cloud. And it seems like the cloud is just coming towards them. Like in the sky or like smoke like on the ground? Like smoke on the ground. Mm. Now, as they are paying attention to this cloud that seems to be coming rapidly towards them, they start to hear the barking and yipping of hundreds of wolves. Immediately, the drivers start whipping at the horses to get them to start running faster. And they start taking off, but it's not in time. This pack of hundreds of wolves descends on the wedding party. and It kind of seems like they're coming from back corner because they reach the back of the wedding party first and start taking out these sleds, the horses and the people. And as the sleds and the people in them are 
going as quickly as they can, the people in them start grabbing anything in the sled to use as weapons to fend off the wolves. And as they realize that that's futile, they start to throw out the women and the children so that they can survive. Damn, Russians. (laughs) First of all, worst wedding ever. Dude, that's the opposite of... (laughs) What I want. Opposite of a good time. (laughs) Women must go. (laughs) Child, go. Next, the children. (laughs) So they start doing this, and it doesn't help. It helps for a little bit longer, but then the wolves that are starving because of this winter that has just been destroying and decimating the pack so they forsake their souls for no reason. Exactly. <laughs> they damn themselves right before they died. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and the wolves continue to take out sled by sled by sled until it's only the lead sled, Holy. which has Ivan and Anna and their drivers, Sergey and Victor. Oh. Now, as they're trying to get away from the wolves, the two drivers, Victor and Sergey, yell back at Ivan and try to convince him to throw out Anna. <laughs> She must go. Give us some time. And Ivan refuses. Good man. But Sergey and Victor are not okay with that. And so they, they take him and throw him out. And then they throw Anna out. Oh, what the... <laughs> and barely, as they whip the horses, they're able to escape the pack of wolves and get to the next town. And they survived, those two. And they said that they obviously had mental problems the rest of their lives. On top of being Russian. On top of being Russian and Just having kidding. lost their souls. Um, but that is a story that was covered in New York Times. I was going to say, and then what? They wrote the New York Times about their experience? <laughs> yeah, no, dude. So well, apparently they, they had guess a correspondence. Guess what of shit we are. <laughs> <laughs> Signed, <laughs> Sergey and I. Exactly. <laughs> Yours truly. Yeah, they should have like fibbed, like, uh, and then we punched all the wolves for real. Protected so, the women and children, <laughs> but they still got through. Yeah. So, this comes from a correspondent that was in Saint Petersburg, mm. and he heard the story from someone who heard the story. And there are those who question the legitimacy of this story. So it's like most of our stories. <laughs> Just However, there is another story that they think that this actually came from. So that's kind of like the urban legend, the tall tale? Kind of. And this is where it originated from? And that's what it seems like. So on a cold winter night in Russia, once again, there was a mother and her three children going from their home to the town. And it's kind of dusk time, so they're trying to make it into town before night and then stay at the inn. They're making their way through the forest, and the mother who's driving the horses notices that the horses seem to be getting a little spooked. And it doesn't, like, mean anything to her. She's just trying to get there as quickly. Like, she couldn't do anything. Uh What's she going to do? Stop? Stop being spooked. (laughs) Yeah. And so she continues to drive the horses to get to the town. When in the darkness within the trees, she starts to hear yipping and barking of hungry wolves surrounding their sled. And then this pack of 20 or so more wolves descend on the sled. And they start trying to bite at the horse's ankles and try to like jump on the sled. And the mother, trying to figure out something to do, decides she's going to take the oldest of her children and throw them off the sled to buy some more time. And it doesn't work. 
it seems only to whet the appetite of the wolves and they charge harder. So she takes the second child and throws them off of the sled. They they go for the children or they pass the children and keep going for the The mom? children die almost instantly. Oh. It whets the appetite of the wolves and they continue to chase. Mm. Having one more child, which was just a baby, she throws it off of the sled. And by this time, she's able to get away and she makes it to the town. As she makes it to the town, she makes a fuss and all the townspeople are coming out trying to help her because they don't know what's happened. And she starts to relay to them what has just happened, how she was attacked by wolves, and even how she sacrificed her three children. (laughs) And there's one man who's in the town who hears this and asks her, even your baby, which you carried? And she said yes. And this man just happened to be carrying an axe. He takes it and cuts off her head in a fit of rage. Now, this man is obviously arrested, but then pardoned of the act of rage that he uh, committed after hearing the horrors of Uh, what the woman had done. Justified? You said (laughs) this happened in the 80s in Russia? No. So the story came from 1911, but this story comes from 1883 to 1887, sometime in there. I'm not sure exactly when. But the New York Times uh, wrote was it in, in 1911. 1911. Yeah. <sighs> and I uh, kind of went on to that story after seeing a <laughs> Nature's Metal article. It was on their story that said, Pack of Wolves kills wedding party. And I was like, there's got to be a story here. <laughs> sure enough. And sure enough. Actually, I got to give some shout outs for where I got all that information. I got it from New York Times, Nature's Metal, and an article by Paul Sock called Russian Wolves in Folktales and Literature of the Plains, A Question of Origins. Goodness. But, bro, that's terrifying. How legitimate is the account of the uh, mother and children? It seems like it's legitimate, Yeah, but it just comes from one story from one man. And he, the guy that Paul Sock or whatever, is just compiling these stories. So it may be legitimate, it may not be, but it seemed to also be the origins of this other story. Huh. And Harsh. it was also talked about on Joe Rogan. What? Like, when? Uh, I think it was that episode where What's-His-Face from Life Below Zero was on. What's his name? Glenn. Glenn. Villain- yeah. Villanuevo or something like that. But he was on the episode, and I remember mm-hmm. them talking about wolves, but I didn't remember that. Huh. But I saw it popping up when I was doing my research. <laughs> Going along with that story, like just having them come from out of nowhere, just rushing into this wedding party, it's like I feel like they usually just like surround one person, but it's Russia, so it's cold and extra. Right, and the the wedding party of 120 people where only supposedly only two of them survived. It makes me think of, do you remember my cousin in Alaska and their experience? I think I remember you telling us, yeah. I think I told it briefly, but I'll tell it again. Yeah. He was out with one of the most experienced outdoorsmen he knows in his entire life. He said if he were caught in the apocalypse, he'd want to go with this guy. This guy was born in the bush, born in the wild, and just lived out there. And so he followed his lead without question. And they were heading up to a 
place to go camp and hunt for a couple days. They were going to be out there. So they have all their gear. They're ready to go. When they come up into this huge ice field, I think it was actually like a frozen lake. Mm-hmm. And way off in the distance, they see three bears. And these bears are just walking in a straight line. And silently, my cousin's friend stops him, pulls out like his sight and looks through his sight. And he's watching these bears and he's like, what's up? He's like, something's wrong. And these three bears walking, he said, well, first of all, bears don't do that. He said he's never seen bears walk like this. And as he's watching them through the scope, the three bears all in unison turn and start going straight towards them. And they're probably like a mile off, but they're moving fast. And as he's looking into the side of his gun, he says, get on top of that rock right now. And there was this huge hill with very steep like rock and they both scrambled up as fast as they could. And Matt, my cousin, is thinking, we're going to have, we're going to be stuck up here and we're going to have to fight off these bears because they're like just beelining it right at them super fast. They're both looking at them in their scopes. And as they get closer, they realize that these aren't bears acting weird. These are three wolves that are larger than any wolves either of them have ever seen, like the size of bears. And they get about a half a mile away from them and they all stop. And after like 10 minutes, they turn and just take off. Hmm. And he said both of them, he, he said it was one of the most terrifying experiences of his life. And him and his friend both decided we're not going to be out here in the wilderness wilderness with these things. Mm-hmm. Wilderness. <laughs> Shaitan. Are you me? Shaitan. <laughs> uh, we're taking off. So they, they all take off. But after he told me that story, I looked it up, and there is urban legends or or really old folklore in Alaska about wolves the size of bears. Dire wolves? Yeah, but they have a specific name. I think it's like an Inuit or uh, an Eskimo name for it. Um, And they travel... Malamutes, but bigger? (laughs) They're the size of bears, but they're wolves, and they travel in pack of threes. Mm. And I was like, dude, I think you saw that. And he said, legitimately, they had never seen wolves this size. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just wolves can be terrifying. He also was on a path one day, didn't realize it, turned down another path, and there was a huge black wolf that had just... It, it, he actually was walking down the path, and the whole huge black wolf just walks out onto the path in front of him, staring at him. And he realized that thing had been like following him forever. Mm-hmm. And then behind it, another one comes out, and he just stopped, stared at them, and like slowly backed up. Up the path for like a half a mile, back to his car, took off, took off. Good choice. But wolves are terrifying. And one of the only animals that like, what's the word? They kill for sport, for fun. So there's huge herds of elk in like Yellowstone and they'll decimate an entire herd and not eat one. And it's because they get like this bloodlust and they'll just kill for fun. So I don't know, terrifying. Yeah. No, definitely the part that got me in the story too was how they describe it as a black cloud off in the distance. Love that. I saw, I, I like read down, I was like, and then I read a little bit further and I was like, oh, cow. oh no, no, dude, that's a hundred wolves or more. Hell no, bro. Okay. I was actually going to be like, what the hell happened to the black cloud? Like, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a legitimate, like, no. lost. Uh, <laughs> A black cloud or something. I was something. thinking of like Dementors. Black smoke. I like kind of try and picture it. And if it's really far off in the distance, it would just look like a blackness, right? Because mm. they're not kicking up dust. It's all snow. True. 
um, your story, a uh, different aspect of your story uh, reminded me of something or uh, another story. Um, how many people were in the wedding party? 120. Just the sheer amount of people involved in this, I guess, accident reminded me of... Uh, Sharks? That. And uh, there are two accounts of entire villages. One was an entire village. One was an entire school. Both in Africa. I think one was in Uganda. One in like Sudan. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> but uh, the entire village, all the adults came down with this laughing and dancing sickness. Have you seen that? I've heard of that. Heard of that? And it lasted for a few hours. No explanation. Only the adults. Um, uh, doctors pocus. were like trying to figure out what happened. Never happened again. It was just a one-time thing where they were laughing hysterically, dancing, and incoherent. Couldn't communicate with people. It was like a switch. It just turned on and then off for a few hours. Creepy, dude. That's Everyone in the terrifying. <laughs> yeah. The second one was an entire school. Um, this happened in the 80s, and there's a YouTube video of a journalist of a journalist from the UK traveling there, speaking to maybe 20 of the children individually, asking them about what happened. And what had happened was school had finished for the day, and all the kids were playing outside before they all went home. There were two teachers who were out there just kind of supervising them, and they saw what they each described was a UFO, a big silver spaceship that didn't look like an airplane. It was oblong. Like a cigar. Saucer, like, yeah. That came down into the field where they were playing for a few minutes and then zoomed away at a speed they had never seen before into the air and disappeared. And these kids, the reporter is talking to them and saying, what did you see? And they said they had big heads big black eyes he couldn't see what were in their eyes he said can you draw them and they drew exactly that he said can you draw what they saw what what else you saw the spaceship or whatever they drew these saucer oblong cigar like shiny silver spaceships but um what's crazy you can watch this interview mm -hmm. you can watch this story online and what's the most convincing or a, a very convincing element of it is there's like little to no variation, variation in all the kids' stories. And they're all so genuine. He's talking to them. He's like, what did you see? And they're like, I, I saw a spaceship, silver. It was long and fast. And they seemed like terrified. And they're like six, seven, eight. The oldest was like 10 maybe. Yeah. So And there's like 30 plus of them who are all saying the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. it's, it's crazy. Yeah. But just like a large group of people, usually it's like, People in isolation, mm -hmm. you know, out in the wilderness or confined within the walls of your home with your family or just you in your room or something. But experiences where and events where large groups of people are experiencing the same thing, it's hard to argue against that. The only other thing is saying that they're all in on it. But when you have children like that, I don't know, all saying the same thing without variation, it's Makes you wonder. Yeah. I want to believe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wasn't going to share this, but it reminds me of another story. And this has happened, I think, 
two times very recorded in history. Mm-hmm. I can't remember where off the top of my head. I, I want to say like near Nepal or Tibet. But people from a neighboring village hadn't seen or heard from anyone in a village that was like over the ridge in a, a while, like weeks or something. And so they sent someone over there and they they come down the hill, they go into this village and the streets are deserted. There's not a soul in this rather large village. And they're looking around, looking in the shops, no one. Until finally they go into one of the people's houses. They don't hear a peep. It's just dead silent. And they go in one of the bedrooms and in the bed is a dead body. Then they go to the next house. Children dead in their bed. Parents dead in their bed. Next house. Children dead in their bed. The family dog dead on the ground. Everyone in this village was dead. And they had no idea what it was. And this has happened like another time. Same exact thing. Later on, scientists realized what happened. So this village was set in a valley. Mm-hmm. And above this village was a very large lake. Mm-hmm. And years and years and years of green material breaking down in this lake, a huge bubble of CO2 was trapped at the bottom of this lake. Like uh, an impossibly large, like not a bubble. It was like the size of the lake, right? And there had been a landslide all the rock debris goes down into the bottom of the lake, disrupts the bubble, it bursts, and all the CO2 comes out over the ridge and fills the whole valley oh. and kills everyone in their sleep at night. So the entire village was killed in one night, like suffocated at the same Damn. time. We had something similar, the lake, like some type of poisoning from the air and everybody dying. I, I remember you told that. Yeah, I remember there being, we had talked about something like that. Could be the same, I don't know. But, huh. Yeah, just crazy. Made me think of that. Yeah. <laughs> like before science, you'd be like, obviously this is the jinn. Or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> obviously this is shaitan. <laughs> shaitan is You here. like that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's crazy how far we've come to like learn that. Mm. But there's still things I think we're yet to learn that all that can be like 100 years from now can be explained away that right now. We're like, what the? Guys, it was 5G. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, in 100 years, they're going to be like, it really was 5G, y'all. That's what 2020 is, bro. Yeah. It makes me think of uh, a long time ago in one of our early episodes, we talked about how like before like the the play, Black Plague and whatnot, mosquitoes, you know, like <laughs> killing thousands of people. Now we have off spray. And Deet. if you brought them back then, yeah, deep back. If you brought that same thing back then, it would be a potion. Yeah. Just a magic True, potion, dude, yeah. To protect this you. repels death. Yeah, Here. exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know? it's like the little vial that that one crazy elf gives Frodo. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, the crazy Galadriel. The, uh, yeah, the even star. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I'm done or deep. Dude, yeah, just <laughs> full on nerded right now. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, <sighs> that's crazy. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wild. Truly a, a wonderful tale. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> I got you. Think about that next time you're out in the woods in the winter. Mm. In Russia. In Russia. Sometimes nature really do be like that. Be the scariest thing out there. Yeah. Sometimes you know? Studies show that it do be like that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Bastards. Bastard. <laughs> Ode. Have you guys ever had an experience no. with cats, animals, or children picking up something you, you aren't? Like sensing something that you aren't? 
knowing something they shouldn't, seeing something they shouldn't, or something you aren't? I can't think of a specific time, but I feel like we've all heard dogs barking at nothing or children saying they saw your grandma. The Grinch. Grandma's been dead for 10 years (laughs) now, or the Grinch. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Reed shared that one time where uh, his son pointed over into the dark kitchen and was like, Dad. The Grinch. The Grinch. <laughs> over and over. I would have pulled a Russian. <laughs> Sacrifice. <laughs> like, yeet that kid. You out the sled. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh. I would definitely get scared. No, anyway, uh, <laughs> my cousins growing up, my aunt kind of claimed that she always thought that they were all psychic until the age of four. And I've brought that up to other parents, and they said, oh, yeah. Weird things like that happen all the time with small kids. Uh, one of the examples she shared, and it's not like they were psychic, like they were like, like, oh, you had a lot of love in your pet. No. <laughs> Palm reading. They were just kind of like open. Sensitive. And, yeah. And uh, she said one time very distinctly she remembers being in her car driving, and she's a busy mom of a lot of kids. She's going over her uh, to-do list in her head, she remembers. And in her head, she's like, hey, I got to drop off, you know, the kids at practice, pick them up. I have to go get dinner. I have to get the dry cleaning. Oh, the laundry's in there. Uh, I don't have time to make chicken tonight. We'll just do spaghetti again. I can't forget to do this and that. And as she said that from the back seat, my cousin Audrey said, mom, we had spaghetti yesterday. So she said, I mean, it's nothing like big or overt or super scary, but she said stuff like that would happen all the time. She would be thinking of someone, thinking of a certain person. I need to, I need to message grandma. And one of her kids would walk up and just tell her something about grandma. You know what I mean? And she said all her kids seemed to lose that at the age of four. And my theory is most of us kind of have something like that, probably to different degrees. And most of us grow out of it. But I think there are some people who are left more open or their receiver is just larger one of those people being Kevin, <laughs> our friend. But I feel like we all know people who just seem to be closer to stuff like that. Well, that kind of terrifies me, the idea of that. And animals, like your cat hissing at a black corner of your room, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not down with that at nope. all. That terrifies nope. me. <laughs> and so I have a story that has to do with stuff like that. So this happened to this girl when she was a teenager. And she was watching her niece. Her niece is like almost two years old at the age where she's walking, playing, and kind of forming sentences, but not clearly, right? So she's doing the normal thing. She loves her niece. She's babysitting. They're having fun. And it's getting later on in the night. Mm. No one's home. It's just them two. Um, So it's getting later in the night. And like I said, they're the only ones in the house. And it's time for bath. So she takes her upstairs. She's bathing her. And they're in the bathroom And the door is open behind her, and it opens into a dark hallway. And as she's bathing baby girl, she said she's laughing, they're having fun, they're splashing, and baby girl stops and kind of leans over and looks right past her head into the dark hallway. And as she does that, she just bursts out into tears, starts screaming. At the same exact time, her cousin's, or sorry, her, yeah, her cousin's Pomeranian downstairs loses it, goes nuts. It's like snarling and barking, she said, making noises she had like never heard it make before. 
obviously this fills her with terror. She feels like this really dark terror. And she doesn't know if it's internal, external, or what. But she takes baby girl out of bath, throws a towel around her. She like grabs the onesie and diaper that she'd prepared before, runs downstairs. Now this is a townhouse, so there's, there's three stories. And the bath was in the top story, level three. She skipped level two, went down all the way to level one where like family room is, it's a little brighter, the TV's on, kind of calms down. Um, she gets baby girl down there and starts trying to calm her down. Eventually she does. And she's just trying to talk to her, are you okay, are you okay? And she's just like kind of shaking her head. She's a little like razzled, but she's shaking her head, she's okay. And as she does that, she says, what, what happened? Like, wh- why'd you freak out? What, what'd you see? And all she can say is, man with black eyes. Man with black eyes. As she says that, baby girl looks past her one more time and is staring at the top of the stairs. And the landing, she looks back up over her head. She said it looked extra dark. Like the light was off before, but now it looks even darker than normal. And her niece's eyes grow huge again. And she says, she looks back at her and she goes, what's going on? What's going on? And the girl says, shh, no, no. And won't let her talk about it again. They stay down there all night. Sister comes home, tells her what happens. But she never experienced anything like that again. Bruh. No, no. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Stop, stop looking up there little girl we leaving we going on a field trip away forever sure shout out furry bandits that's who that's hey, that yeah. story comes from yeah we love you furry <laughs> bandits <laughs> oh. that idea is just something that intrigues me mm-hmm. i don't know we even watched a short today and it was like they were running from a demon who was afraid of cats i don't know like i know like the egyptians regarded cats and they're as gods, you know what I mean? Like they mm-hmm. were like, I don't know. But that stuff has always intrigued me. The relationship between animals and the other or the spirit world <laughs> and kids being able to perceive things that we can't necessarily. Dude, yeah. a thousand years from now, like what is science going to discover about that that they can explain that we have no idea about? It's true. We talked about before about like magnetic fields. Do you remember that? Somebody, Joe Rogan had somebody on their episode how they designed like a, coat, a hex suit. A hex suit. That's an episode two. And what does it do? So a hex suit is like a revolutionary thing in the hunting arena. It's an invention that they created. It's an actual suit you put on. And we all admit, no, we all emit, not admit, we emit some sort of electrical field. And animals are way more sensitive to that than humans are. Birds use it in flocks to help them not crash into each other or even know where to go. Like magnetic fields plays a way larger part in animals than we have realized. And how they navigate and make decisions and are, become aware of things. And a way to test that in the way they show the powers or the effects of wearing a hex suit is a guy is out in a field and there is a coyote. And coyotes are notoriously skittish. So if you come up to them, they're going to run away. But as he's wearing the hex suit, the coyote walks right up to him almost like he's not there and he's just standing still, right? And something about it like blocks that. It makes you less perceivable to hmm. animals. So there is something perceived by animals that we just can't pick up. 
So maybe demons be throwing off some negative some vibes. Electricity. <laughs> yeah. And kitty cats <laughs> can sense that. You know what I mean? Kitty cats and babies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but as someone who's planning on having children in the next year or so, or two or three, whatever, whatever, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not, not going to commit or anything. But, uh, Probably me too, actually. <laughs> yeah. Dude, he's like, me too, three or four, five months. Months. Um, <laughs> But I'm just not looking forward to the day that I see on my baby monitor, like my child communicating with something in the corner. (laughs) No, bro, like we're we're moving or you're grounded. Um, You have to stay in there with with a black cloud. Or or out of the sled you go. (laughs) Fetus deletus. (laughs) Sorry. Swish and flick out of the sled. Okay. Jeez, I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> All right. Uh, last one? Yeah. Or should we cut it there? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Dude, what? let's let's roll. Okay, what's my difficulty check? Over under 10. Frick. Over? You tell. How about eight? Okay, you don't. Oh, you do want to tell this. 19. Ooh. Oh, you super got to tell this. <laughs> you got to embellish well. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. This comes to us from a 15-year-old who was traveling with his family. Um, And they were traveling in Europe. They specifically were in Etel, Germany at the time. Etel Weiss. (laughs) (laughs) Shaitan. They were in in Germany. They had stopped at this really, like in Etel, in a smaller part of the town, in this really small inn. (laughs) And I think at this inn, you kind of rented the entire place. And so they're really excited. They've had a good trip so far. They get in and they start assigning rooms. And the parents get the big master bedroom at the top. It's like in the way far back of the house. Mm -hmm. The sisters get a a room that's like right. It's downstairs, but near the stairs up to the parents' place. And then this kid, he's pretty stoked he gets his own room but it's at the end of a really long hallway on like the other side of the house. (laughs) It's the outhouse. As they're bringing in their bags, they're settling in. He said he walked into the hallway and immediately felt like he had, quote, walked into a wall of bad energy. Ew. He said it was way heavy in the hallway specifically. And this kind of creeped him out. Goes to his room. He's stoked to have his own room. His sisters are sharing that room way down the hall. They like hang out for a bit. They go to sleep. That's it. Next morning, they're all eating their strudel and sausage and beer and whatever (laughs) Germans eat. Schnitzel. Schnitzel. Or schitzel. And and just casually, the sister says, did anyone else feel weird in the hallway? And he kind of pauses. And he's like looking at her, almost hoping he didn't hear what he just heard. And she says, I feel like the air is like suffocating me when I'm in the hallway. And he can't shake it. The fact that his older sister experienced this, it's not just him. All of a sudden, he's not curious. He's kind of alarmed, nervous. They do their thing, Taurus stuff. Nighttime comes. He's in his room. And at about 2 a.m., he's 
woken up super abruptly to the sheets being ripped off his body and his ankles getting pulled and him moving about two feet down his bed. And he opens his eyes and he sees a man had broken into his room. There's a big, dark figure at the foot of his bed reaching towards his ankles. And he screams and freaks out. But on the bedside table, there's a lamp and he hits the button of the lamp, turns on and he looks back to see the man in his room is gone. Okay. Nope. And so he pauses and looks around and it's silent. He gets up. He knows there was a man. He saw him. So there had to have been a way he got in here. Checks the window, locked from the inside. Checks the small bathroom that's connected to the, his room, empty. Goes and checks his door, locked. Needless to say, he did not go to sleep that entire night. Stayed up the whole night playing on his DS. <laughs> he said he just could not sleep. Sun comes, he can kind of feel relief. And eventually he hears the sound of his other family members waking up and going down for breakfast. So he goes and joins them. Once again, he's stuffing his mouth with schitzel and <laughs> sausage. <laughs> and he hears his sister say, I barely slept last night. And his mom asked her why. And she said, I could see someone standing against our wall all night, but every time I turned on the light, there was nothing there. Oh. So she keeps experiencing the same thing. That's the worst case scenario. <laughs> And that's kind of what he said because she is older and the fact that someone else did experience it made it all that much more real from him. for him. He said he's never been as terrified in his entire life and he's never forgot how he felt being woken up by someone pulling him off his bed. So, any of you out there who have experienced weirdness in your sleep, hopefully you do not experience the same thing. I personally have seen things at the door opening. I've experienced black shadows but I have yet to experience being drug out of my bed. So if you do, let us know. <laughs> All my kings and queens out there. <laughs> and that is me tonight. Those are my stories. The end. The <laughs> <Da> end. Finn. <laughs> this <sighs> has been a... I feel good about this episode. Me too. Yeah. I feel like we all came with pretty good stories. I'm excited. I always love, I don't know, we've never openly talked about this, but our processes for procuring stories. Like, I don't totally know your your system, you know what I mean? And so I'm always, I guess, like, what kind of story Sean's going to bring this week. And it's so fun to just hear you, like, how wrong you are, how right you are about your assumptions. <laughs> and, like, what attracts us in a story, like, why you choose that one to share over other ones. I don't know. It's fun. True. It's always interesting, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they come like, man, it's going to really suck if they have the same story, <laughs> which is what happened this time because that post from Nature is Metal happened like two days ago. <laughs> so you thought one of us would I be like... I was like, bro, one of them has seen that. One of them looked it up. Like, <laughs> I know it. And I was hoping that I'd be able to go first just in case. <laughs> nice. There's so much information that it's, I think, going to be really rare. Well, it, it is really rare that, that something like that would happen. Yeah. We should prepare something for the time that it does happen. 
have a backup or, or a showdown. It's some type of special thing, like bro. event or each of you has to share one sentence at a time. And you go back and forth, <laughs> <laughs> tell the story together. <laughs> uh, obviously, my favorite is firsthand accounts. Mm-hmm. So I love researching a topic, telling the sto- the origin, and I love that. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's something that hits different when like someone says, this happened to me, and I was there. And especially if we can hear it from them, it's like so powerful. It's telephone, dude. The message changes and the, the feelings aren't as strong the further the it goes down the line. So if you're getting it straight from the source, it's... Like you feel like you're there. So mm-hmm. that's why we need you to send in your stories. So hey. link in bio. We're always anxious. Or uh, you can always email them at your friends mm-hmm. at the 3 ampodcastcom mm-hmm. You can send in a voice memo, record yourself, mm-hmm. send in videos, pictures. You can upload it to our drive. We'll see it. So all of you beautiful listeners out there, you who's sitting right now at your desk listening to us in your ears go through and think of everyone you know who has that story and whose story do you need to share go treat yourself to that story and then treat us to that exactly so that we could share it all you know what i mean uh i know i'm being a dick but nothing new sitting there listening to lou's story and the joy that came from that and like the fear and just hearing him tell it because he was there is like, I don't know. That's like my favorite thing ever. So let's do more of that together. Hmm. And with that, uh, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Um, we truly do appreciate everyone who listens. So thank you so much. Uh, with that, trust your gut and watch your back. Be careful out there. Bye. Love you. Be safe. Shaitan. <laughs> <laughs> She is Satan. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3 a.m. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM Pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins. Convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. 
I get a phone call from my wife and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts, people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh -huh. You go home and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done and that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects.